This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic. But today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton to adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride, purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, TJ Reeves. Ah, ring the bell for the second time in two weeks. We get a heavyweight championship fight. It is truly fight season, like they're saying in those DAZN ads. As the unified heavyweight title on the line from Saudi Arabia. First time ever in the Middle East. Rematch time for Andy Ruiz and Anthony Joshua after the stunning upset by the Mexican-American Ruiz June the 1st at Madison Square Garden taking away Joshua's unbeaten record and his titles. They're back in the ring roughly six months later for this showdown in the Saudi desert. Uh, a fight that uh, will will greatly define and shape the heavyweight division for at least the next couple of years. Because when you look at the ramifications of what happens if Joshua loses again, he's basically off the big stage and out of the limelight minimum of 2020 and maybe for a year and a half to two years if he doesn't win. If Joshua does win, what happens to Andy Ruiz? Is he somehow in the mix Uh, even in defeat for Deontay Wilder down the road. Uh, Might there be a third fight with with Joshua at some point? Who knows? But all of that is on the line. The intrigue, the multi-multi-millions of dollars that are at stake for both guys that are involved. We're here to talk all about it. All right, let me tell you what's coming up on the podcast straight away. Sergio Mora, the Latin snake, on the broadcast for DAZN with Brian Kenny and Chris Mannix of this rematch, Ruiz-Joshua, the clash at the Dunes. That's the main event coming up uh, on DAZN's coverage. Sergio will be here, and at the time that we're getting to grab him and talk to him, he has just met individually with the fighters in the fighter meetings, uh, the champ Andy Ruiz and also the challenger Anthony Joshua to go over this bout and this battle. So I'm anxious to get his insight. What does he think strategically about Joshua? Will he move forward for the big knockout? That's something that I believe and we're going to be talking about with the guests here. Does Sergio agree with that or not? And uh, and what about the place in history here for Andy Ruiz if he can follow up this win Uh, just as he did in stunning fashion uh, in New York, as we made mention of. And then we'll segue on to my guy, David Payne, the boxing writer in the UK at boxingwriter.co.uk. That's his website. Always provides great insight and analysis, particularly the, uh, the British and the European fighters in that angle. Joshua had been, had been their conquering hero, the unbeaten heavyweight champion, 
Now he lost in his American debut. This fight, uh, a few thousand miles away in the Saudi desert from even England here. It will be on in prime time on Sky Sports in Europe. They're expecting massive, massive television audience uh, for this battle because of the time slot that it will be in Saturday night, London time. So David will have insight on this. I also want to talk to him not just about the tactics and the strategy and the implications, but let's go back in the historical perspective of rematches. For example, Mike Tyson never got the chance to rematch with Buster Douglas. This is something that I wrote about on BigFightWeekend.com. That article and item is out right now. Tyson uh, didn't get a chance to get back at the guy that knocked him out in Japan, eventually went to prison, was uh, was out of the ring, obviously, for three years while in prison, came back reclaimed the heavyweight championship, but never never got to get uh, that uh, blotch off his record. Never got to fight Buster Douglas, who was gone from the big stage because Evander Holyfield had quickly knocked him out, and he never became a relevant heavyweight champ again. So Joshua gets that chance within six months, like we're relating here, uh, for this rematch. So I want to talk to David Payne about the historical part of that. You know, Leonard got to fight Duran within a year. Ali got another chance at Frazier. David makes mention of Lennox Lewis getting a chance at reclaiming his belt from both Oliver McCall and Haseem Rahman uh, previously. The the rematch aspect of this, I want to talk to David about that and get his insight. And then Marquise Johns will be with me from BigFightWeekend.com, the senior writer, the purveyor, the guy that's got the ins and outs. He will talk Joshua and Ruiz and this entire fight card uh, of heavyweights from the, the show in Saudi Arabia. But also we've got the WBC middleweight title on the line a showtime pbc event from new york saturday night u.s time so well after joshua and ruiz are done late saturday night jermall charlo dennis hogan 12 round wbc middleweight showdown in that one and also chris eubank jr of england on the undercard against uh, matt korobov uh, in a WBA middleweight eliminator fight for the regular middleweight championship. So uh, a middleweight doubleheader, Barclays Center, Brooklyn. Marquise will have insight on that, on this Joshua Ruiz main event and that card and all else going on inside and outside of the boxing ring. Predictions from all of our guests as well. Marquise will close the show out coming up in a little bit. So the guest will be straight ahead. First, a reminder, we are brought to you in part on Big Fight Weekend by my friends at Smack Apparel. And look, I, I know it's crossing sports, but this is a huge Huge college football championship weekend. They're setting the college football playoff for the final four teams off of this weekend. The likes of LSU and Ohio State and Clemson and Georgia and Utah and Oklahoma and Baylor all vying for the college football playoff for the very best in getting in your face uh, for your rival with a great T-shirt. Uh, go to smackapparel.com. They have got fantastic shirts for the holidays, and they are discounted for us, for our audience, right here on Big Fight Weekend with the promo code FIGHT. Use the promo code FIGHT. Save 20% on your order at Smack Apparel. Not just college football smack, but NFL smack. Whether you're a Patriots fan, Packers, Cowboys, 49ers, uh, all of it. Get in your opponent's face for the Ravens. Uh, on and on down the list with the New Orleans Saints. Hilarious in-your-face theme shirts. It's smackapparel.com for the college and football NFL season. Our promo code is FIGHT. F-I-G-H-T. Take 20% off your order. If you spend $40 or more, your order ships for free. Go right through the Smack Apparel website. 
uh, through us and put that promo code in at checkout, FIGHT, and save 20%. Hilarious shirts. You won't be disappointed. Go, go look around at Smack Apparel. Whether you're an LSU fan, an Oklahoma fan, uh, on and on down the list, Cleveland Browns, a great smack from those guys, Seattle Seahawks. Uh, go check out the uh, the great Indian Your Face theme shirts there that they have for your rivals at smackapparel.com. All right, all of the plugs out of the way. Let's get to the interviews, the discussion. Ruiz and Joshua coming up. This one from Saudi Arabia, first ever heavyweight title fight in the Middle East. It is Saturday. It is eagerly anticipated, and let's get to it on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Oh, yeah, I've been looking forward to Joshua and Ruiz and looking forward to the breakdown with the Latin Snake. He will be on the call once again, just as he and Brian Kenny and Chris Mannix were at Madison Square Garden back on June 1st for the shocking upset. Andy Ruiz's seventh-round TKO of Anthony Joshua. He's back. It's the Latin Snake. It's Sergio Mora uh, from Saudi Arabia, the site of this rematch. All right, my friend, welcome in. First of all, I understand it is happy birthday to you. We're not going to get into what age because I'm an old man. I'm older than you. I, I you know, I, I, I have to say, you know, you're from L.A., but to celebrate a birthday in Saudi Arabia in and around a heavyweight title fight, I mean, there are, there are worse ways to celebrate the birthday, Snake. No, it's, it's hey, TJ, listen, thank you very much. And it, it's a bucket list. I'm, I'm kind of pinching myself because I literally turned a milestone birthday I turned 40, and um, I'm, I, I turned the, uh, the monitor on on the plane, and I was literally, we were literally over the Mediterranean Sea. I'm like, how cool is that? Like, the, cl- <laughs> the clock struck 12, and we're over the Mediterranean Sea. And I'm thinking of, like, fan- fantasy stuff, like, uh, I don't know, Alexander the Great type stuff. I'm like, that's pretty cool, man. Like, I, 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 I turned 40. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm happy. I'm healthy. I got a great family. Got a great job I enjoy. And I'm going to call the World Heavyweight Championship of the World in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, life is great. Yeah, life it is, is uh, great. It really is. Life is great. So, HBD, happy birthday to you! Uh, and now, you. and now we get on to the events of Saturday. Before we get to Saturday, at the time I'm interviewing you right now, you've met with the fighters. Uh, just uh, let's go one by one. What was your impression, first of all, of the champ, Andy Ruiz? You sat across from him. What did you think? Same old Andy Ruiz, nothing changed. No chip on his shoulder, still smiling at you in front of your face, going to tear your head off when you get in the ring. Same guy, same exact guy. He looked. He didn't look any fitter. He didn't look any uh, meaner or, or muscular or thinner. No drastic changes, only hard work. They kept, they kept talking about how hard they worked. And, and, and Manny Robles, his trainer, uh, was a little bit more outspoken, had a little bit more to say. They realized the responsibility of, of defending the heavyweight championship. And they understand that they made some great money in the first fight. They made life-changing money in the second fight. But they're still not getting Anthony Joshua money. But beating Joshua once more, he'll be in the Joshua money. He'll be in the 40, 50 million. And that's what they want. So you could see, you could see the, the, the hunger uh, uh, and the motivation. And also, you also prove people wrong that it wasn't a fluke. So a lot of things going for them. Yeah, that's, a, that's another good point on that. And you look, you can identify with this because you became much more well-known as we've, as we've talked, and I'm very affectionate about the Contender Show, the original. You became more well-known because of that. You became more well-known as a champion. Once you become more well-known, you are the hunted. Andy Ruiz is now the hunted. Did you, did you sense that 
He embraces that. He's fine with that because this is not last June 1st where no one really expected him to win. Now there are some people that are really expecting him to do this again. I got I to gotta tell you, uh, TJ, they both made excellent, excellent points in the fighter meeting. Uh, uh, with Andy Ruiz, he, he was the exact same fighter as he was a contender. He said, like the, 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 the non-champion, the, the French contender. And he told us, I'm still hungry. I, I didn't get respect. People still think it was a fluke. They think I, was a, I wasn't even supposed to be fighting him. It was Big Baby Miller. I was a replacement. I didn't belong there. I was chubby. I was this. I was that. And they think I got lucky. I got to prove it again. I go, the, the bookies have me an underdog. That's a slap in the face. So he made great points there. And, and, and when it came to Joshua, he made some excellent points about I wasn't motivated to fight this chubby kid that came out of nowhere. We had a camp for Big Baby Miller, and then comes this guy who we know nothing about. We're like, okay, well, just, you know, they weren't motivated. Now they, they both had a three-month camp to fight each other, and this is the real deal. So now there's no excuses for, for neither man, and they both made excellent points on that, and, and that's why it's going to be such a, a classic fight. Love the inside of the Latin snake. Sergio Mora, he's on the call on the DAZN broadcast of the unified heavyweight title fight. Andy Ruiz is the champion. Uh, WBA, IBF, WBO belts on the line against the former champ, Anthony Joshua. Uh, That'll be on DAZN Saturday afternoon, U.S. time. Adjust your time zone in the United States. The fight should come off somewhere around 3.30 Eastern time. So adjust your time zone accordingly because they're fighting late night in Saudi Arabia, prime time in the U.K., Joshua's home country. Um, All right, another one on meeting and sitting across from Anthony Joshua. Did anything strike you differently from being around him for the first fight in New York? Was he similar? Was he different? What about it? He looked a lot thinner, a lot leaner. He's not as muscular. People are going to see right away when they get in the ring. He is, he's a different, he is, his body's different. And he did that. He said, he, he told us he didn't do that purposely. He just trained harder and, and sparred more. He did more boxing training, eliminated the weights, eliminated the, 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 all the, uh, the, the, the calisthenics and the, the, the muscle building things. And he focused more on just boxing. It was sparring and he had great sparring partners and he kept in, insisting that it was just boxing this time. No muscles, no weights. And uh, no, no, nothing else, just punches. And I think that's, that's the main thing because if you look at fighters, we're not muscular. You know, it's actually a, it's detrimental to, for a fighter to be really muscular. That's why you won't see, you know, great fighters that are buff. You know, so uh, Joshua came in really lean. That's the first thing that stood out, and that's the first thing you guys are going to see when you see him. He looks a lot leaner. He, even his face looks a little bit more drawn, but he says it's because it's all the hard work and sparring. So that's. That's the first thing that, that stood out, but the chip is still there on his shoulder, the hunger, the motivation. He said he had the, the best camp of his life, which, which every fighter says. But when you look at a fighter's eyes, you know if they're telling the truth. And I think both these fighters had an amazing camp. They, they know the stakes are high. Just a few more moments with Sergio Mora again calling this fight on Saturday. I do not know at the time we're talking if you've been anywhere around the stadium, the arena that they have constructed specifically for this. We've seen pictures, we've seen video, so I don't know if you've seen it, but it is definitely unusual. There's never been a heavyweight title fight in the Middle East in Saudi Arabia. No, we just came from there. Yeah, all right, so tell me about it. What, what is the stadium like? Compare it. I mean, uh, what, what did you think? I I couldn't believe they built this stadium from from the ground up in six weeks. It was amazing. <laughs> I took pictures and put it on my 
on my social media. It's amazing what they do. Uh, Thirty thousand seats. It's 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 professionally done. Uh, uh, I'm sure the 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 the, the fire the, the fire and the lights all that once it comes out and the people fill it out, it's gonna be just like a, a Vegas atmosphere. Only out here in uh, Saudi Arabia, but it's just amazing that they were able to build that so fast. Uh, it's just like a Vegas platform. It really is. Well, and, and so many times, uh, those Vegas casinos back in the 80s, the 90s, they would construct the temporary stadium yeah, outdoors. outside, outdoors. That's exactly right. Yep. Hey, one thing I saw in the weather forecast, I don't know that you ever encountered this. It is going to be like an 80-degree you know, American temperature, 80-degree day, but it will be dropping at night and later at night. It may be a little cooler for an outside fight. I don't know if you ever had one of those or how you handle that. Uh, as a fighter trying to keep warm in between rounds, because that may may be a factor with the temperature a little bit. Oh, it's not it's not a possibility. It's going to happen. This place is really hot in the daytime, and it gets really cold at night. It's I guess that's the desert. Um, I've, we've already experienced it. You know, we came here in, in, in shirts and shorts and, and jeans, and right now when we came back from the arena, we were freezing. All of us couldn't wait <laughs> to get in the car. And yes, I've experienced that. The trick is. You don't take off your. You get a good sweat, and uh, you, you don't take off your gown until you're ready to fight. Fighters usually take off their their, their robe and start warming up without a shirt inside the ring. You, you're not going to do that here. You're going to keep your robe on. You're going to keep towels around you. You're going to keep that sweat in you. And then when it's time to meet in the middle of the ring and and the class gloves, you take off everything and it's, and it's go time. All right, good enough on that. Before you go, I won't ask you to make a prediction, but I just want a little analysis. If if Joshua is going to win this, what's the overriding thing or two that's the reason why he's going to win this? And I'm going to ask you the same thing about Ruiz. But Joshua first, if he's winning it and getting his title back, it's because why? I don't I don't think Joshua will be able to knock out Andy Ruiz, and I I don't think it's going to be very difficult for Joshua to win a decision. So that right there is 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 the thing that baffles me. Now Ruiz, I can see him winning. We've already seen him win by a knockout, but I could see him uh, uh, putting the pressure on him where judges give close rounds to the champion. I I I really got to tell you that I don't understand why the the the, the favorite is Joshua. I think this is a pick 'em fight. Uh, I believe that Joshua is going to come out boxing, using his jab, his, his reach, his distance, and discipline is a word he kept using in the fighter meeting. So I don't expect him to come out and clash, but that's the opposite game plan that Ruiz has. He's going to come out of clash. He wants to start off and remind Joshua of the pain and the knockout really quick. So that's why it's going to be a clash really quick. So the first four rounds are going to tell the, the how the fight's going to uh, unfold. I really believe Joshua's going to come right at him and try to test him, if not take him out. No. You don't think so? No you dis You disagree no with that? No way, TJ. No I no way. Uh uh-uh. that'll be a recipe for disaster. Uh Andy Ruiz has a faster hand and, and you got to you got to you got to adapt to the speed. He, he already knows what the power tastes like. They both have power, but the faster hand is Andy Ruiz and he's always gonna beat him to the punch, especially early and fresh. I think they're gonna try to box Joshua's gonna try to box early, get rounds in the bank, and then he's gonna have to fight because there's no way that you're gonna keep Andy Ruiz off you for twelve rounds. So around the Seventh, eighth round is again seventh, eighth is when we're going to see who who has control of the fight. It's going to be a physical fight after that. That's my that's my uh, 
prediction. Love the insight and analysis. That's why this man is a world champion. That's why he gets paid to do what he does. So happy birthday to you. It'll be a blast hearing you again with Brian Kenny and Chris Mannix. Uh, By the way, we should plug uh, here while we have you, not just the fight, but the one night documentary, the Ruiz upset. Phenomenal, phenomenal documentary. Oh, yeah. Uh, They need to get a hold of that on DAZN and wherever they can find it. That's a great documentary to build up for the fight. I love Sergio Mora on the call saying, Joshua looks gassed. That's exactly what you explained, and you were right. You were right. We'll see if it's the case again. Joshua looks gassed, and this is the most important 40 seconds of Andy's career. Oh, yeah. Those are my Larry Merchant I love that. I love that. Hey, Snake, great stuff here. Thank you for the time. Have a great call Saturday night on Ruiz Joshua, too. Thank you. You got it. Anytime, DJ. Bye-bye. Still to come on the Big Fight Weekend Podcast, David Payne from the UK, the boxing writer with his unique insight and perspective on Anthony Joshua, his place in history, his chance at reclaiming the heavyweight titles here in the fight. Marquise Johns will also be here from BigFightWeekend.com with his analysis and prediction on the fight. A reminder, the Big Fight Weekend is brought to you in part on the podcast by Vivid Seats and the Vivid Seats mobile app. And whether you're talking about this Joshua Ruiz, now that's a tough ticket in Saudi Arabia. Arabia. But the uh, the PBC showdown, Barclays Center between Charlo and Hogan, or any of these college football championship games on Saturday, NFL football on Sunday, that huge Chiefs-Patriots rematch, get your tickets. Vivid Seats, the Vivid Seats mobile app. Great place to go and find those seats on the secondary market. Customer satisfaction guarantee, 100% secure purchase. And remember our promo code, BIGFIGHT10. Promo code is BIGFIGHT10 to save 10% off your initial order. First-time users for for, uh, Vivid Seats for these fights, for the championship games in college football, whether it's the SEC title game, LSU and Georgia, Big Ten title game, Ohio State against Wisconsin, Big 12 title game earlier in the day, Oklahoma and Baylor in Dallas. Get those tickets through Vivid Seats. Remember our promo code BIGFIGHT10 to save 10% up to $50 off your order if you're a first-time user. Again, whether it's boxing, college football, the NFL, the name to remember is Vivid Seats and our promo code BIGFIGHT10. We're back on Big Fight Weekend now. Here's your host, TJ Reeves. Counting down to Saturday night in Saudi Arabia, prime time in the UK, middle of Saturday afternoon in the United States. Andy Ruiz, Anthony Joshua, two for the Unified Heavyweight Championship. Who better to help me break it down? Then the boxing writer, David Payne, boxingwriter.co.uk is his site. Great insight on the sport, on the heavyweight, specifically uh, fighters in the UK, specifically Anthony Joshua. Always good to have you. Uh, Are you in a chipper mood uh, as we get ready to uh, approach Saturday, my friend? Are you good? I'm very good, thank you. Fresh as a daisy, good to go. (laughs) Always good to be on the show, of course. (laughs) Uh, all right, so it's about to be here. It is a, a rematch uh, that that has been heavily anticipated. I have put it out there. This is arguably the most anticipated heavyweight title rematch since the second Tyson-Holyfield fight. You can maybe make an argument for another one in between. Maybe you will. There's a lot of buildup. Uh, I guess the first question to you. In the UK, humongous deal. Yes, this one coming in primetime Saturday night, right? Oh, absolutely, yes. It's uh, 
It's getting a lot of coverage. We've obviously we're in the midst of a general election at the moment, so it is battling with that. But uh, yes, it's definitely growing, and I think by Saturday night and the uh, realization among the broader sporting audience that it's going to be on at uh, 8:45, 9 p.m. on a Saturday night will bump up the crowd. I'm sure on the evening, and uh, there should be. I would anticipate a big buy-up on pay-per-view here in the UK. Yeah, Joshua is still a big attraction, big star, so I, I think there'll be a there'll be a big crowd for this one. All right, so we've been going round and round uh, about this, uh, about the the future and what can happen. Well, now the first thing is take care of business uh, in this fight. You obviously have written in the preview mode for gambling.com uh, about the tactics and about the opportunities here for Joshua. Summarize just briefly here. Uh, if he is going to get it done this time where he did not get it done at Madison Square Garden June 1 earlier this year, what has to go well? What one or two things go in his favor that say to you he wins and maybe even wins big over Andy Ruiz? Uh, it's a great question. That's the that's the $64 million question, um, <laughs> to, to, to spoil a phrase from the 70s. Um, I, I, I've got a kind of counter view to... Um, many of the experts on this who feel that he needs to box better, use his range, use his distance, etc. Um, and that seems to be the um, kind of themes that are emerging from the camp that he's, gonna, that he's been focused on his boxing, that he's been focusing on perhaps coming in a little leaner, having a better engine, being able to move better uh, and focusing on landing more shots rather than big shots, um, which all makes perfect sense. Sounds like a perfectly legitimate strategy if you can keep Ruiz off balance, etc. Um, but being the fag packet psychologist that we all are in the boxing world, I just wonder whether he can stick to that game plan for the distance and whether he may find himself caught between the, the natural strategy he has for having a punch-up and that uh, perhaps more studious strategy that might in some ways, give him a better chance to win. But in being caught between the two things, he may actually play into Ruiz's hand. So, although it may be a gamble, um, I've got this uh, counter-culture view that he needs to go for it again uh, and just try and get on the front foot and not and not go back in straight lines. Try and go forwards, try and get Ruiz going backwards. Um, it's not a popular opinion, and I've had lots of criticism for holding it, but that's the opinion that I have. I just think the simplicity is best for Joshua at this stage. Use the physical tools he has and try and dominate going forward. Can I tell you, though, that in the build-up for the first fight, I still remember this, you and I talked about this, and we were basically in agreement uh, that Joshua would try maybe after a round or so to mow him down, as an American phrase there, go right at him and knock him out. And that is exactly what happened in the third round. He came after him, he scored the knockdown with the big one-two, the big left hook, Mm -hmm. and that's when trouble began, and that's what you were kind of alluding to uh, that when he went toe-to-toe and trading with uh, Ruiz, Ruiz caught him and hit him with a good right hand, kind of side of the head, back of the head, and then it's game on. He scored a couple of knockdowns. I mean, that, that round three may end up being the round of the year this year uh, in boxing. Uh, so, and, and again, from a tactical standpoint, it's because he, he engaged Joshua, he engaged, and he went after the knockout. It would not surprise me if that, I agree with you, if that's the strategy again here. Go try to eradicate the knockout loss, use your tools, and go after him quickly. I will be more surprised if he's cautious, boxing, jabbing, staying at distance for round after round early in this fight, David. That's my thought. Well, 
Yes, you're absolutely right to, to kind of point out the, the contradiction in, in the argument that if he goes forward, he could walk straight into the trouble he had in the first fight. But I just find that when he's tried to box kind of with authority from distance, he did it, tried to do it against Takam, he tried to do it against Povetkin. He did it with some success against Parker in a performance that was widely uh, regarded as one of his best or coolest or most, most complete. But Parker was was quite negative in that fight. Cautious, perhaps, would be a fairer word. Um, and Povetkin, in their fight, almost almost did the job. Takan caused him all sorts of problems, and obviously we saw what Ruiz did. Um, so I'm, I'm acutely aware that there's contradiction, in my opinion, um, and a lot of it is based around kind of the grey areas that seem to emerge about um, Joshua's focus, um, in the in the lead up to the first fight, the, the various rumours that were all dismissed. There's not a shred of evidence of any of them, but they, they all swirled around how focused he was, what problems he may have had. Um, and I'm just, I just have some doubts. I, I think when we spoke um, some months ago, I, I even floated the idea of wondering whether he would even fight again. Yes, you did. Um, yes, you did. And uh, I just wonder if something sophisticated, something a 12 round plan three rounds of this, three rounds of that. I just wonder if he gets caught, whether, whether he's actually going to be able to listen to that, whether he's going to be able to stick to that if he doesn't have success with it early. And I just, to my mind, he's the uh, bigger puncher. He's the taller man. Just get on the front foot. Just get on the front foot, get him off balance and try to punish him. But I'm not saying that it's not without risk. Um, but again, many more, many more opinions uh, suggest that he would be better trying to stay at range. I just, I'm just not sure he has the, the footwork or the discipline uh, at this point or the mentality to be able to do it. I think he really wants to prove something, and I think that will come to the fore once the the lights go down and the blood comes up. Uh, voice of David Payne with me, the boxing writer, boxing. Uh, writer.co.uk is his website. David does an outstanding job of analyzing things with us and has been doing so for the existence of this Big Fight Weekend podcast. We especially love his insight on subjects like this with a fighter that he's very familiar with and Anthony Joshua has covered, has watched uh, throughout his career. Uh, you uh, Just to, to follow up again, you have put that theory out there about how much does Joshua really want this and how much does he want to fight beyond 2019, 2020, 2020. 21. He's verbalized some of that at different uh, points in his career. At the time that you and I are taping, we haven't heard the press conference and whether he's going to be asked about that. I would assume, yes, there will be some questions uh, about, hey, you keep making mention that you may not want to do this much longer or do this long term. And the questions arise about how much is your heart really in the sport when that kind of thing uh, comes around. So I think I think that's another interesting subplot here to this, do you believe, all right, so let's advance things fast forward. Do you believe that if he loses, that there's a really good chance this is the end of Anthony Joshua, that he won't fight on, try to get another title, maybe another fight, a third fight later, later, later with Andy Ruiz, et cetera, et cetera. Could this completely unravel if he loses Saturday? Just give me a speculation. I think that's, I think it's possible. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's earned tens and tens of millions of pounds, dollars, whatever you want to measure it in. Reports of various figures anywhere from 30 to 50, 60 million dollars for this weekend's fight. Uh, we're talking about a man who, who could never spend what he's, what he's earned already and he's 30 years of age. 
uh, and has other interests and could have an involvement in the sport uh, beyond fighting himself. However, if we are to believe much of what he says about the importance of his legacy, of his standing in the sport, of, of aspiring to transcend boxing, um, then it's on the one hand, it's hard to see him stopping with after another defeat because he won't have accomplished that. But then again, it's hard to see him ever accomplishing that, given that he's lost twice to Andy Ruiz, with all due respect to Andy Ruiz, who, who may go on to unify the title, do all sorts of wonderful things, who knows. But um, for him to become this iconic figure that was the business plan, seemed to be the plan, the 10-year plan they spoke about so much last year before the defeat, um, it's kind of... It's hard for him to see him dropping back a level uh, on the one hand. Um, but there's so much money awash here. There's so much money in the wash. So on the one hand, he's earned so much, he, may, he could never spend it all. And on the other hand, if you offer him another 20 million to fight somebody else back in London or Cardiff in the spring, would he turn it down? You can't imagine he would. And that's a, probably a modest estimate of what he would still be capable of earning. Um, but... It's, it's it's impossible to know and only Joshua can really know deep down inside how badly he wants to do this he's made all the right noises he has a habit of talking in sound bites and bumper stickers these days and kind of hackneyed philosophies which I don't want to criticise the guy for analysing himself trying to understand where he is in his life um, and trying to uh, kind of irritate that but um, I think sometimes it, it that that gets in the way, and it was good to hear that he's gone back to boxing and less of the weight training, and maybe that that maybe that will all come to the fore and come good for him on Saturday. That he's he's simplified things and forgotten about the empire building and the legacy and all that kind of stuff, and just focused on beating up the guy in front of him, which he should theoretically be capable of doing with the assets he has. We love talking the historical perspective of the sport. Rematches have always been great for the sport. Uh, the Ali Frazier uh, trilogy, you know, the second the second fight was a non-title fight uh, in between uh, Frazier's first win and the thrill in Manila. Uh, we saw the recent uh, anniversary of the, the Leonard Duran no mas, where Leonard got his title back uh, in revenge the following year in the rematch. Uh, I wrote about this. It's it's interesting that Mike Tyson was stunned by Buster Douglas nearly 30 years ago now, David. I am becoming an old man. Good gracious that that was 30 years ago. Uh, but he never got the rematch with, with Douglas as we laid out, and I'll lay it out just briefly here. Douglas went to court over the contract, didn't want to be obligated not just to a Tyson rematch, but the contract was so draconian, so lording over him, that he was going to have to give Don King multiple fights uh, even after a Tyson rematch, if he won the rematch. So he went to court, he got the contract broken. Uh, the bottom line is Douglas lost to Evander Holyfield, who he fought next, and Tyson and Douglas never met again. So that's kind of an interesting parallel here that Joshua is getting the chance. The phrase that I often use, it's a southern phrase in the United States, to get the stink off of him, to get clean. He gets the, he gets the chance at that, and Tyson never got that chance with Buster Douglas back in 1990 or 1991. I wonder if you have a thought on that real quick, on the differences. Well, I think, I think the Mike Tyson-Buster Douglas thing has, um, has kind of changed history in a way. And obviously, it changed the path of Tyson's career and Douglas's life to some extent and the whole history of the heavyweight division. But what it's kind of demanded subsequently, it would seem, is that when these kind of events happen, these kind of seismic events happen, um, 
we tend to get the rematch, don't we? Because um, they saw what happened to Douglas. So there was no way that Hassan Rackman was wriggling out of a rematch with Lennox Lewis. That was always going to happen. Um, and I think Joshua is probably also aware of that because the logic or the sensible, pragmatic thing to do after the loss in June would have been to go away, box someone else, start, you know, can't, not a knockover job, but someone outside the top three or four guys, build some confidence and then go with the rematch. That would have made a lot of sense, rebuild some confidence, etc. But the fear, of course, was that Ruiz loses to somebody else, be it Deontay Wilder, be it Luis Ortiz, Tyson Fury, mm-hmm. whoever it may be. And Joshua would never completely be able to reclaim that if he was then to subsequently beat Ruiz, who's already lost to somebody else. So um, I think that that's played a part in, in the insistence that this fight has gone on. And I guess just looping the two um, the two themes together, we also ought to perhaps um, just delve into whether Ruiz can ever reach the heights he did in the first match. Can he can he have the the durability, the will, the desire, um, the kind of relaxed relaxed attitude he appeared to have about the whole event? Can he have that as the champion, going to a, a new country and all that comes with it, and all the pressure and the exposure sure. that he's now got? Sure. Can, can he can he do? Different to Leon Spinks, can he do different to Hazin Rackman? Can he do better and, and win the rematch in the way that perhaps Gene Tooney did or or others down the years? So, um, because Ruiz could prove to be Joshua's Kenny Norton, who knows? Which I hate to put all those people in the same sentence, but hopefully you get the the drift of the idea. It could be Joshua beat Wilder, but never be able to beat Ruiz. Who knows? Um, that, that that's the happy the happy state we're in that we've got interesting fights and they're actually happening I guess well and and Ruiz uh, it, it very possibly could be just like Buster Douglas where the moment where he got the titles was the big moment where no one expected it he wasn't uh, the, the hunted he was the hunter that night and now with it all reversed with everybody pointing at him and pointing at Joshua to do what he was supposed to do. Uh, may, you know, maybe this is the watershed moment for Andy Ruiz. That's part of the intrigue of the fight. Let's find out uh, for Saturday. Couple more moments with you, my friend. All right, I, I got to joke around about this. On the undercard, we have uh, w- what I am referring to as drug cheats are us in the heavyweight division. We got Alexander Povetkin fighting uh, Michael Hunter. Povetkin with two known positive drug tests. Dillian White still has the mess of his second positive drug test from earlier this year. That's not cleared up. Oh, look, he's fighting a, a Polish fighter, Marius Wach, who's also previously been suspended for a year for drug use. And then even American Eric Molina is involved in one of the other heavyweight undercard fights, a previous drug suspension for him. So everywhere we look, we got big bodies, big punchers, and drug controversy in the background. So with me laying all of that out, what intrigues you the most? And and can any of these guys, I guess, potentially get in the mix here for the winner of Joshua Ruiz? What do you think, David? Oh, it's a mess, isn't it, TJ? Yeah. It's a mess. Um, I've got marks on the wall or the desk from banging my head on it. Um, uh, at what point do we just give up and just not talk about it anymore? We seem to be rushing towards that point, don't we? Where, although we are discussing it now, but it, it certainly doesn't seem to be much, being much of a hindrance to a to a fighter's progress these days, does it? Um, you couple that with the, the knowledge that Jamel Miller is soon going to be back fighting in some shape or form somewhere. Um, and, the, and this globetrotting nature of the sport you know, you begin to wonder if there are other there are other motivations other than the the money that's been put up by these various um, 
nations as to why they're so keen to go to these places. I, it, just the whole thing's a mess. The Dillian White thing is a mess. The PR around him, it's like a... It's like a disgraced politician that's um, been been <laughs> marched out to kiss babies' heads and open charity fates and things after he's been caught with his pants down. It's uh, he's just everywhere with good stories to tell. He's been on cooking shows in the UK. Just everything and everything to kind of brush over, brush under the carpet the whole mess of that B test. I wish I could give you some insight. To my knowledge, the B test has not been. <clears throat> excuse me, has not been conducted as yet. And so we're just in this never-ending hiatus, really. <coughs> excuse me. So I, I, I'm interested in some of those fights, but it's it's under the veil of all the drugs um, sanctions that should be imposed on many of the people competing. I'd expect White to beat Wack. I'd expect... Um, Michael Hunter Povetkin could be a very competitive fight. I'd really like Hunter to win because I like the way he boxes and I think he's a different style in the division, a different dimension of fighter and I think he's an interesting personality and I think we've seen everything we're going to see from Povetkin. And of course, Molina's in against the um, one of the new the new names on the block which is almost impossible to pronounce. Higovic, apologies if I've got that wrong, Philip. Um, but yeah, some interesting fights but they're all drowned by the... the, the displeasure we have about the 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 drugs failures that most of those characters seem to seem to have hunter notwithstanding of course yeah it's a tainted undercard but maybe hunter wins spectacularly and he might be the guy in the way for the other ones there are some some question marks uh, tainted on the undercard uh we will see all right so uh eager anticipation for the main event in saudi arabia with ruiz and joshua uh that one coming on saturday before we escape there's obviously an american doubleheader in new york uh in the middleweight division jermall charlo dennis hogan but also chris eubank jr fighting for the wba interim middleweight title british fighter there fighting uh matt korobov uh, on that same card, that PBC Showtime card. So uh, earlier in the evening um, in England, in the afternoon U.S. time, we get the card from Saudi Arabia. And then late night for you guys, prime time here, we get the middleweight card with the mm-hmm. title fight. So there is some interesting boxing. And for Eubank Jr., it's a chance to get in the middleweight title mix potentially that, here. That's that's a really fun fight. I mean, uh, just putting to one side where they might go on to and what the opportunities might be in that middleweight division that people seem to be leaving rather than staying in. Um, uh, Eubank's a very interesting character. Obviously, he's got the whole backstory. Um, He can fight a bit, very quick hands, but he's got some flaws when he comes up against someone who's polished and who's got good boxing now, a decent jab and some confidence and a chin, um, like he did with Groves, like he did with Saunders. Um, I don't know if Korobov is that fighter, um, but it will be an interesting test for both of them. Um, and, I, and I'm pleased that two kind of marginal, peripheral, top 10, 15 sort of characters are getting it on and we'll see who can emerge from it. Hopefully both of them intact and in good in good health to go on and have careers beyond. But it'd be interesting which one for the, for the immediate future could become an opponent for one of the big stars in and around that middleweight division. I think middleweight will suit Eubank much better than super middleweight did. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how his, uh, his power transfers back down the division, which is probably his more natural weight. 
We will find out again. That's New York, Barclays Center in Brooklyn for the PBC card. Saudi Arabia, first time ever heavyweight title fight in the Middle East. I did not sneak a prediction, I don't think, uh, out of you. I know you've written about it on gambling.com. We want people to go read what you're writing about the gambling angles on this. Uh, I, I don't see this going the distance. I, I, I do not. I, I would uh, heavily lean here that Joshua gets his revenge and maybe even gets it early. Uh, David, do you venture to join me in that, or do you think we might be going eight rounds, ten rounds, or the distance? Um, I think, uh, you see, at the start, the start of this week, I was pretty confident in a Ruiz win. I'm not sure how at this point. Um, I just felt like that that was the that was the best um, value bet, if you will, and that's not the only thing to to worry about in these instances. The betting, of course, but I just felt that rematches tend to go this way of the first one. Obviously, we've talked about a couple of obvious examples of the opposite in uh, Lewis and Rackman, for example, um, but they tend to follow the same storyline as the first one. Um, but there are some narratives swirling around that could change that storyline. Is Ruiz as focused and as dedicated? Can he do the same thing again? Can Joshua be as bad as he was the first time? I would venture he can't be as bad as he was the first time. But I'm still leaning towards a Ruiz win, even though some of the things I'm hearing and seeing coming out of Saudi Arabia are beginning to dilute my confidence in that prediction. So I don't want to sit on the fence, so I'm going to stick with Ruiz. But I am hoping that Joshua does it, because I'd like to see uh, a Joshua Wilder Fury sure. uh, trio fights going forward. I think that would be a shame if we didn't get those with Joshua, with some of the... Um, substance that he had before the Ruiz loss. I don't wish Ruiz any harm. He seems like a great guy and he's a good fighter. But I, I think it would be tremendous to have those three hopefully pitting themselves together over the next year or so. Mm, well, we'll find out. And maybe Ruiz is in the mix if he wins spectacularly. Of course, I, think, of course. I think it is fascinating that the guy that's in England, and this is why we love opinions and different things, is more concerned and thinks Ruiz is going to win. And the guy that's in the United States thinks that it's Joshua <laughs> in, the, in the rematch here. That's what makes this great. The debate is great. Uh, the talking is almost over, David Payne. We're about to see it. Ruiz and Joshua, too, in Saudi Arabia. Thank you for the breakdown, my friend. We encourage everybody to follow you on Twitter at The Boxing Writer. Uh, go to uh, that on Twitter. Go to his site, boxingwriter.co.uk. Also, previews up for Ruiz and Joshua on gambling.com that David has written with the ins and outs uh, on the line. Uh, on the possibility of a knockout, does it go the distance? He's got the gambling preview, gambling.com, Ruiz, Joshua. David Payne, always a treat. Let's enjoy the fight. I look forward to talking to you after it's all done. Uh, me too. I'm really looking forward to the fight, and I will uh, catch up with you next time. And we will close the show with the purveyor, the senior writer. He's always willing to mix it up. Put up those gloves. Uh, punch and counterpunch with Marquise John, senior writer, bigfightweekend.com. Oh, we got another heavyweight tilt two weeks after Deontay Wilder dispatched Luis Ortiz with one wicked punch in Las Vegas. Now we go halfway around the globe to the Middle East for Luis and Joshua 2, the sequel to the dramatic, unexpected knockout by Andy Ruiz of Anthony Joshua. So, Marquise, I call you in, having already on this podcast heard from Sergio Mora, who's on the call, the Latin Snake, David Payne in the UK. Now it is your turn. Your thoughts real quick as we lead into this fight. How amped are you for the rematch? 
pretty good, TJ. Looking forward to this fight, actually. It's going to change the complexity and the landscape of the heavyweight division. I mean, the name of it, Clash of the Dunes, TJ. I'm going to be honest with you. From a promotional standpoint, it's <laughs> awful. But the fight itself and the card itself, I'm looking forward to it. It's actually a pretty stacked heavyweight card. Well, uh, it's better than the uh, two big guys fighting in the sand or something else that they could have come up with for uh, for the for the promotional thing. We we do know uh, that there is intrigue in this fight because of the ramifications. I touched on this uh, at the beginning of the podcast. The ramifications for Joshua are he virtually loses all leverage and disappears if he loses this fight. He's off the big stage. Would you not agree with me for easily twenty? 2020 and maybe a year and a half or more before he gets a huge title shot uh, of any kind again. And for Andy Ruiz, biggest fight now uh, for him. It sets the rest of his career up if he somehow wins this, because then you're looking at a mega, mega, mega fight with uh, with Deontay Wilder or maybe Tyson Fury, right? Absolutely, TJ. This fight for Joshua is Obviously, for him, as you well know, this is the biggest one of his career. Because if he does lose this fight, he falls literally TJ, to the back of the bus. And it's interesting that with Joshua, with this fight taking place now and also with next year, because he wants to get back on that throne. And as a comparison to this fight, he can pull off what history is known for repeating itself in boxing, TJ. And he has the ability to pretty much replicate what Lennox Lewis did to Hasim Rahman and pretty much captured his belts back against Andy Luiz, who upset uh, when, when Luiz faced uh, Rockman, uh, was upset by him back in two, but over 20 years ago. Yeah, Lennox Lewis lost that basically on one punch and then basically got it back on one punch. Uh, so you're right. I mean, and, and we've seen others. The interesting thing, and again, I make reference to what I wrote on BigFightWeekend.com midweek here, depending on when you heard the podcast. Mike Tyson never got back in the ring with Buster Douglas. Marquise, you know this. He went to prison, all. Tyson did, but never got his hands on him. He got his hands on the belts. He beat uh, you know, two or three fighters, and then Evander Holyfield beat him, and then they had a rematch that ended with Bite Night in Vegas in 1997. But my point is, <laughs> Tyson never got back in the ring with the guy that knocked him out first and stopped his unbeaten record and took his titles. Joshua has uh, that chance. So get, give me the quick analysis. How do you see this fight going Saturday afternoon, U.S. time, prime time in the U.K., Ruiz, Joshua, the rematch, how do you see it going? Honestly, TJ, I see this fight going pretty similar to the first fight, the way it was set up. I think Josh is going to keep boxing on the outside, using his jab, using his reach to advantage over Louise, who, uh, granted, both guys are coming in slimmer, faster, and obviously more leaner. But if Joshua controls his style of fight, which is going to, honestly, TJ, it's going to bore us for 12 rounds. I really think it's going to be one of those tactical fights where he's going to keep him on the outside for as much as he can in the bizarre event. Keep in mind, when Joshua, when Luis came inside the first time in the third round at the first fight, TJ, he got knocked out. People, people seem to forget about that part. We, we all remember the seventh round where he, where, where he, got, he got took advantage. But the first part, Luis came in and ran inside. He got knocked out by Joshua. I think it's going to be more of the same of that. Just go around, TJ. Well, and uh, that, that was one of the most amazing things. I remember we were doing the recap show talking about this is after the two knockdowns in the third round, wild third round, as we've made reference to, yeah. where, where Ruiz is down and then Joshua's down twice, Joshua got control of the fight back. He was landing the jab, keeping the distance, trying to pick his, pick his spot, and you're thinking, okay, he's eventually going to pick the spot and land the big punch. 
and that did not happen. That's that's even more dumbfounding when you go back and watch the fight again. He had it under control. In other words, for Lewis, like we just said, it was one punch and he couldn't get up. All right, for for uh, Anthony Joshua, it was three plus rounds. He's back in control of the fight and then got knocked out. Yeah, it seems like Joshua for that fight was pretty much in control once again, and either he took his foot off the gas pedal or pretty much uh, Louise jumped the bus, and that, that's essentially where we are now. All right, so that's the, uh, the heavyweight showdown. I, I joked with David Payne, uh, cheaters are us, uh, whatever you want to call it for the undercard of the heavyweights, including Dillian White. Uh, walk the, uh, the the pole that's flunked a drug test, uh, Alexander Povetkin that's flunked at least two drug tests that we know of, fighting Michael Hunter. Uh, what do you make of the undercard? It, it's it's uh, in, in some way, it's disgraceful, too strong of a word. It's disgraceful how many failed drug tests we have because this includes American Eric Molina with a failed drug test, too, who's in one of the fights. Is it disgraceful that we have this many drug cheats that are on the undercard? It's either a, a very disgraceful card, TJ, or this is a very bizarre uh, drug conference summit for all these uh, <laughs> former disgraced drug users. My problem with this actually is, and as we're recording this, TJ, no one knows who is commissioning these fights. That's the bigger issue of this fight that, that is bizarrely being underlooked uh, at the time we're recording this. Hopefully that won't come, up, come about, uh, unlike the uh, card later on this year that Matthew's putting on uh, in the States here with... Uh, Julio Cesar Chavez and David Daniel Jacobs. Hopefully none of that will come around, but the, the card itself is pretty interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing how Michael Hunter, I'm a big fan of that guy, as you know, TJ, right. on this undercard against Alexander Povetkin. He's one I'm looking forward to. I, honestly, TJ, it's also why I think all these guys are on this card with Dillian White and Philip Harvick and uh, Hunter, because those guys are more likely going to guarantee uh, more excitement on, on their bouts personally than this main event. I, I just think it's one of those, one of those bizarre smoke screens. Yeah, Hunter, they, they Hunter the, undefeated. Uh, Dillian White obviously disgraced with a drug test earlier this summer. They still have not uh, rectified the B sample. He it's in was, the mail. It's, yeah, he, he was the WBC number one contender. He's not anymore. Uh, so these are the fights that are on the undercard. Uh, here, and, and we'll see what happens with those. All right, a couple minutes left with you with Marquise Johns, BigFightWeekend.com. Read him in the preview mode, uh, building up to this uh, championship showdown between Ruiz and Joshua and all the fights. And you're also writing about Jermall Charlo, one of the Charlo twins, the middleweight champion who's still unbeaten, Jermall Charlo, Dennis Hogan, the opponent, Barclay Center, Brooklyn, New York, PBC, and Showtime for Saturday night for Charlo and Hogan. Hogan gave Jaime Munguia all he could handle, 154-pound title fight earlier this year. Does he have a realistic shot moving up in weight against Jamar Charlo? And if so, why so? What do you think, real quick? If he does, TJ, I think Hogan has a shot just in terms of his ability to get inside. Outside of that, I don't think he'll have a shot against Charlo just because of the power that Charlo carries. The one thing about this fight, actually, TJ, believe it or not, for a Showtime card, this is actually one of the better fight cards they have put out there for a while. I mean... Not for nothing, TJ. Some of these Showtime cards have been, for lack of better terms, unwatchable. But this fight with Charlo and Hogan's pretty solid. Also, the co-main event with uh, Charles Eubank, Char- Eubank uh, Jr. and Matt Corbrell and the co-main event is actually pretty solid as well with uh, Eubank wanting a title shot at Super Middleweight at 168 afterwards. They know, I mean, currently he's the IBO champion, whatever that means. So he wants an actual uh, chance at some, like, one of the big belt holders uh, currently at 168. Yeah. So Chris Eubank Jr., Matt Korobov, co-main event, Charlo Hogan again late night 
on uh, on Saturday night on Showtime well after Ruiz and Joshua is done on the doubleheader. And let us not forget the ESPN Plus show in Puebla, Mexico, has a guy that has quickly become a favorite of both you and me, and that's Emmanuel Navarrete uh, defending his junior featherweight uh, championship here at 122. Navarrete and Francisco Horta. This, this, by the way, the fourth fight this year. Bravo! We are all about active yes. boxers. Uh, Navarrete in the ring, by the way, for a third time since August in this fight here. Looking, and I know you wrote about this on BigFightWeekend.com, looking for a huge 2020 fight with someone if he gets another knockout uh, here. Navarrete with his WBO Junior Featherweight title on the line in Mexico. Absolutely. With Navarrete being, being this active is amazing, TJ. It's such a throwback. I love it. Uh, he, he should get past Horta this weekend on the ESPN Plus app uh, with the Top Break Boxing. Uh, the one thing with Navarrete I'm looking forward to is who is he going to face in um, 2020? He's looking for the big fight like everyone else at 122. He mentioned Lewis Neri, which I think may possibly happen more than anything else. He also mentioned uh, the monster in who just signed a top rank, uh, but he has a move, anyway has to move up to do that to happen. I don't think that's going to take place. But I'm looking forward with Neri. Uh, Neri Navarrete, they're, apparently they're close friends, TJ. Mm. You, know, you, know that, you know what that makes like in the ring? Uh, you know, friends become enemies once the bell goes zing. <laughs> That's a good line on that. And for Naoya, if I got it right, in a way, the monster had that great fight back in November uh, in which he won a, a hotly contested 12-round uh, decision, retained his title, remains undefeated. He's a 118-pound champ, and Bob Arum has already signed him on top rank and has said he's coming to the United States to fight at least once, if not twice, in 2020. I say to you, I, I said this on social media in response to your article, if it's Navarrete and the Monster, sign me up for that one in the lighter weight fights. If that one can happen in 2020, Navarrete got to get by this fight first. Will he be spectacular again with another big knockout? We will find out. Marquise Johns, plug away on where we can follow you on social media. Plug away for the site. Big weekend of boxing. Fire away. Absolutely, TJ. BigFightWeekend.com, the place you can find all your things, boxing news, past, present, and future. Looking forward to this weekend, TJ, because it's going to be a big shift in the landscape with heavyweights. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Radio, all one word. The lineal pound-for-pound Twitter handle champion. I'm challenging anybody still to this day. I'm, look, I'm looking for all challenges and mandatories. You can find me there. Also follow the, uh, the boxing webpage as well, B- at Big Fight Weekend. Follow us there for any uh, news stories as well. We've got you covered, whether it's the heavyweights in Saudi Arabia, Jermall Charlo fighting in New York, Navarrete in Mexico, all of those on Saturday. Hopefully they'll be staggered enough where we can keep track of all the boxing. This man will do it. Again, follow him at Week Sauce Radio because he subtweets and live tweets all about all of these fights this weekend. Marquise, I love it. Let's see if we get a great win on Ruiz and Joshua, my friend. Absolutely, TJ. Looking forward to it. Should be a good one. All right, there we go. Ruiz and Joshua is the main event from England. That'll do it for this edition of the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. Thanks to Sergio Mora on the call with Brian Kenny, Chris Mannix on DAZN from Saudi Arabia for Ruiz and Joshua, David Payne, the boxing writer. Read him at boxingwriter.co.uk and Marquise Johns with me right here. I am merely TJ Reeves. Here we go. Uh, I believe Joshua reclaims those belts with a knockout. We will see what happens Saturday in Saudi Arabia and how it shapes the heavyweight landscape for 2020. For now, we're done. Let's enjoy the fights, see how it all shakes down, and you've been listening to the Big Fight Weekend Podcast.